Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Woodzik. This is episode 97 with director Sarah Porkalob and playwright Xiang Yim. We're talking about the remount of Do It For Emma, which received a fantastic production earlier this year at Annex Theatre, breaking box office records for an off-night production. This remount is happening at the theater off Jackson Space, August 18th through the 27th. More information and tickets can be found at theateroffjackson.org, and we'll have the link in the episode description. I hope you'll check out this production. I saw it at a packed house at Annex, and it's really not one to be missed. You will laugh your butt off, I promise. This episode is sponsored by Queer Pride on Whidbey Island. This year's Queer Pride weekend is August 12th through the 14th. Kicks off with a youth-driven open mic on Friday night, followed by a unconference on Saturday at Langley United Methodist Church. That evening, there'll be a Saturday night soiree performance with burlesque and drag queens and yours truly singing a few show tunes. And then Sunday is the big parade, the third annual Queer Pride Parade. Find more information at queerpride.com. Now please enjoy episode 97 with Sarah Porkalob and Xiang Yim. I'm sitting here on the stage of Theatre Off Jackson. This is the first time I've been on the stage. And I am here with two very talented Seattle powerhouses. Wait for it. Sarah Forklove and mm-hmm. Xiang Yim are yeah, in the mom. house. Yo, 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 uh, yo. So <laughs> we have had the long, uh, the intensive Sarah Forklove interview, which if you have not listened to, dear listeners, check it out. It, it is a fan favorite. Oh, I mean, I'm a fan. Am I a fan of my own podcast? Sure. What the hell? But I love that interview with you. But as we're recording it, this uh, interview, it's opening night for Dragon Lady, both parts at once. And so you'll be here at the top of the interview. And then, Xiang, you and I are going to go inside the actors, inside the playwright's studio. We'll go a little bit deeper afterwards. But we're here to talk about the remount of Do It For Emma. Tell me all about it. I love the production at Annex. It broke records, right? Yeah. It. I mean, that's why we really are doing the remount. Um, you know, when Xiang and I were doing the show, I mean, I, I was like, it's going to sell out every night. Everybody else in my you cast. Knew? Like, I knew, you knew? I knew. I knew. I was like, you build it and they will come. This is fucking Noah's Ark, but for Asian people, you know. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so, like, I was like, that's, it's going to sell it out. That's the bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, it did so well. I think Xiang and I both went into a little, you know, kind of withdrawals afterwards because, like, the success of it was so heady. And, and knowing that, like, we knew that it was a good story. And it was just wonderful to see that affirmation in terms of audience count and numbers. And so then TOJ, I don't know if people out there know this, but this used to be, uh, this was previously the NWAT space in the 90s. So the Northwest Asian American Theater space here in Seattle. And TOJ, as a result, they're really, um, their mission is committed to 
supporting and co-producing stories uh, produced by people of color about people of color. They approached us about doing a remount in the summertime and we were like, yo, what's theaters happening during the summertime? <laughs> no competition but Shakespeare in the park and we have air conditioning, so let's do it for Umma. Bam! <laughs> so yeah, that's that's why we're here, doing it in the ID where there's all these Asian people, which is even great, so we're hoping to, to kidnap them off the street and come to this basement theater. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> I love it. And so the original cast is back. Yes. Yes. But uh, due to some conflicts and other uh, commitments, two of our three-person chorus, um, are we have two new people. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. But other than that, the original cast. Congratulations. I, I can, I, I will be in Boulder, sadly, but I, I love that it gets a second life. Uh, so are you, you're in, are you in rehearsals again now around this time? Yeah, we yeah. are. We started last weekend, uh, but mostly because of my schedule. <laughs> we kind of put it on hold. But sure. with it being a remount and already our main actors off book, you know, it's it's okay if we have a shortened rehearsal period, I think. And so, yeah, we're doing that. We're just starting. So we'll pick that up again this weekend. That's amazing i just want to say congratulations 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 thank you i know it's just it's so awesome what has it i mean when you go back into it as a as a director are there things the second time around that you're trying to pull out from the actors or you're hoping to that that play in a different way to the audience this time around yeah i mean i think i think that that's going to happen regardless um just because of live theater i think as well like i'm excited technically because last time we were at annex we were off night so we were building on top of another person's show design wise whereas we have this stage which i mean in a way we have twice as much space than we did before and there's an element uh, that Xiang has incorporated into her script, which I call kind of like magical realism Korean drama ghost world, <laughs> and essentially that's what we're going to be able to play up more technically. I think as well, you know, that mother and daughter relationship between our two characters, um, Hannah and Amma, that there's always room, right, to create more layers and to create more nuance. Absolutely. I think the actors are really, really excited about being on a bigger stage and um, playing to more people to tell the story again. And um, I'm excited because as a director, I'm just going to craft some more interesting transitions, maybe some slow-mo sequences. Who knows? (gasps) (laughs) Who knows? Amazing. So you open... August 19th, and it runs through the 27th. Folks are going to want to get their tickets at theateroffjackson.org. We'll have that link in the episode description. It's theater spelled the right way. R-E. R-E. So not only do you want to come, but you want to bring your friends and uh, have like a fun night of it, right? Pretty much. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're in the ID, right? So like food here so curate, curate someone's experience what are, what are your both of your top picks if someone's coming down to see the show okay what should they do before eat I'll eat all the food eat a lot of food <laughs> eat a lot of food maybe get some bubble tea yeah maybe get Chinese maybe, bakery yo maybe get some soju <laughs> maybe get some fucking dim sum maybe go do some tai chi <laughs> Maybe go buy, like, some awesome cheap produce. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say? I'd say, yeah. I mean, eat. Eat. God, there's so many great places. I love a really good uh, Chinese hot pot restaurant around the way that's cold. Uh, Mon- Mongolian 
It's like Mongolian hot pot, but the actual Chinese name translates to little fat lamb. And so that place is bomb.com. A lot of vegetarian options. Then there's this great Japanese place around the corner on Jackson called Kaname Izakaya, I think. And there's Tamarind Tree up the way, which is Vietnamese food. So yeah, just eat your fucking face out and then come see our show and then laugh your face off and then go home and, you know, black out. <laughs> well, po- post on social media about how much you love the show. Oh, yeah, that yes. too, that too, that too. And yes. then go black yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So... One thing that we're really trying to do uh, is we're trying to make this show more accessible. And this is a new thing for Xiong and I because how, how do you tell people that don't go theater that they should see theater? You just walk up to people on the right. street and be like, you should see theater. It's good for you. Western canon, American theater, art on a pedestal. You know, like we don't want to do that. Right. And so we're approaching it from the idea that this story truly is like a Korean-American experience. And we're not going to conflate cultures and say Koreans and Japanese and Chinese and Filipino and Vietnamese, that they're not the same, because they're not. Right. But that in this Korean-American story, there are family dynamics and situations that we think a lot of Asian cultures can identify with, specifically with mother-daughter and brother-sister, the family stuff. And doing it in a place like the ID, we're like, how do we get more Asian people to see the show? Because let's talk about the demographics of Seattle theater. I mean, whenever I go to a show, I automatically look over my shoulder and count how many colored people there are in the audience. And it was really at Do It For Umma where I was like, oh, I'm looking over my shoulder and counting how many white people are in the audience because it is a sea of brown faces. And that was really exciting. So basically what we're doing is we have a Kickstarter Uh, We got some awesome grants that's going to help us pay for this production. But our Kickstarter, a good portion of what we want to raise is essentially an amount to buy seats in the house. These seats in the house will be given to people or organizations. Um, We're focusing really on POCs that are part of like... People of color. People of color. Thank you, (laughs) Xiong. Don't want to assume. POC organizations, POC businesses, student orgs, the various colleges here, but also considering that if there are people who want to come see our show who don't have the funds to do it, we want to be able to give them a seat. Um, And to be aware and conscious you know, it's it's, it's one thing to go to somebody and be like, you should see the show, and they're like, "Uh, great, Uh, how do I do it? Like, you have to buy the ticket, and they're like, oh, we can't buy the ticket. You know what I that's mean? That's the end of the conversation. And that's the end of the conversation. You can extend the conversation this way. You can get their, mm-hmm. get their feet in the door. But it's still a thing of like, we're basically still saying to people, you should come see this because we think you should. And I, I'm, I'm still struggling. And I'm not saying that that's bad because we have a really great story on our hands. We are being representative of diversity in a way at TOJ that other theaters in Seattle are not. So that's reason enough for me. But at the same time, it's like, how do we dig a little bit deeper when we think about community outreach, audience involvement in the story? Who are we really creating art for? Who are we doing it for? And I just find myself creating it for the same kind of group of people I know. And just just on a personal note, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit exhausting to do it that way little less uninspiring so we're trying to figure that out but the first thing we do is throw down some dollars or have other people throw down dollars kickstarter <laughs> buy seats so that's what's also going on i think it's so it, it, it's inspiring and i hope and i i hope that other people take note of it and uh it's it's important that audiences don't all look the same mm-hmm. period yeah absolutely uh, 
Well, Can Sarah, I... I oh, sorry, I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off, but oh. I know that you have to do your preparations. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us for the first part of the interview. Thank you. Uh, break legs tonight. It will be in the past by the time this is posted. But we love you. Thank you for coming back to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. You're awesome. I hope I don't suck. Bye. No, you won't suck. You'll be awesome. <laughs> All right. Now, now I get to. Now I get to. Pick the playwright's brain. <laughs> <laughs> What's left of it? <laughs> so I think I think I may have heard the story about this uh, before, but I want to if if so or if not, I want to hear it or hear it again. Sure. Where did the germ of this play? I shouldn't say germ. Spark. Where did the spark of this play come from? Yeah. Um, so I've been taking uh, playwriting classes with Stephanie Tim, who's amazing. Amazing, yeah. Amazing yes. teacher. So I've been studying with her for a while and I was telling her, I don't I want to write a new play, but I don't know what. And she suggested, why don't you write a revenge tragedy? But your version of a revenge tragedy and make it mostly female characters because most revenge tragedies are like super dude heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, my version of a revenge tragedy, I want it to be Korean American and and I'm going from my frame of experiences. I grew up partly in a convenience store. So I thought that would be the kingdom. So I took, basically she said, look at Wikipedia and look at like the outline of a revenge tragedy and what are the plot points and, tr and write scenes for those. So that's basically what I did, <laughs> but set it in a convenience store. So you went for Hamlet, if I'm not Yes, mistaken? Hamlet, yes, yes. <laughs> kind of. And what, what sort of, why did you, it, just because that's the revenge tragedy to, you know, yeah, the all and all, or it's a it's a it's a common ground for a lot of folks. Yes, and I also looked at the structure of the Spanish tragedy too. Right? Is that the predecessor? Right? I think, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked at both, but it's it's not like a true adaptation. It's just kind of a mishmash of scenes and like betrayals and lots of death. <laughs> so you had your starting point. You had Hamlet-ish, yeah. mm -hmm. and then you just sort of started fleshing it out. Do you remember what scene you started with? Or is it so long ago now? I think I just started literally with the um, the uh, visitation scene. I think that was my first prompt that Stephanie said, is write the ghost visitation scene. And I was like, okay, what what would my version be? It would be a mother. It would be my, like, a Korean mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of loosely based off my mom. Some <laughs> parts are heightened and some parts are, like, toned down. <laughs> So once you once you started that, did it sort of did it take on a life of its own? It seemed like maybe it got some momentum, and you you yeah. started salivating a little bit, and the fingers yeah. typed a little bit more quickly. Yeah, um, I just had the idea of it was like a mother daughter relationship, and then I tried to create all these other tensions and other things I wanted to explore um, that I noticed in terms of like, uh, for example, the brother and how men are treated <laughs> versus women. <laughs> wanted it that way to explore it so I tried to like cram his storyline to fit sort of the Hamlet plot points I also finished the play recovering from a tonsillectomy so I was on oxycodone <laughs> so that's why sometimes the play is really weird <laughs> so I'm just eating popsicles that, and trying to finish this play that is maybe the best thing I've ever heard <laughs> So, what is your what is your writing process like? So, Stephanie was giving you prompts. Yes. Do you, you know, oxycodone and popsicles aside, do you set a, a certain time each day to write, or is it sort of catch as catch can? Ooh, what does that mean? Oh, sorry. At, uh, when you have the time. It's when I have the time, and I also try to block off time. Um, so I have on my calendar write, but lately I haven't been writing. But when I have a project in mind, it sort of propels me. 
um, or if I have a deadline or if I know there's like a submission. I'm usually like motivated by um, fear, guilt, and shame. <laughs> complete I something. can completely <laughs> relate to that. So how would how long would you say the process of you know that the arc of that first prompt to having a first draft of the of the piece? I think. I wrote it as like a 10 minute play for a live girls workshop first. And then, um, what did I do? Then I worked on it for, I think I had a bulk of the scenes and then I finished it in like two weeks. And then I had a reading of it. And then a year, about a year later, that's I think when I had it at Annex. So it was kind of fast. But yeah, I think absolutely. that having the two weeks home alone to just work on it. I never had that before. It was like a mini writing retreat. Yeah, mini killers. Yeah, it was a mini writing retreat. But I actually had time to map out the whole script. I've written a lot of short things, but never like try to piece together. This is new for me. Yes. Yeah. So you have the first draft. Uh, how shortly after the first draft were you like, I, I know I want to pitch this to different companies? I forget when the pitch happened. I feel like it happened in like several months later. Sure. After, because it was like January that we had the reading, the full length reading, and then I pitched whenever Annex's submission process was. <laughs> and did, like you have, did you have Sarah in mind to direct it? No, I didn't know Sarah. Um, <sighs> yeah, so I was just forever grateful to Annex for Match introducing Matrated Heaven. Heaven. Oh my God. <laughs> I so feel like I joined the Beatles when I met her. So these no, are kidding. Gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, just so kidding. I'm not a Beatle. Okay, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> She's not really here. Um, so Annex sort of did some matchmaking for you. Yes, actually Pamela... Um, uh, introduced me to Sarah and said she's I think she saw Dragon Lady and then thought you know she read my script and she thought we would be a good pair and then it just like the first day I met Sarah I was like oh my god you're perfect she's perfect I just I loved her political analysis and she asked really thoughtful like really hard questions about the script and just her energy absolutely so I just yeah only do you have any <laughs> Do you have any tips for folks who uh, are trying to get their work out in the world in terms of that um, submission and pitching process? Any any nuggets you want to share? Uh, I think just submitting um, a bunch is good. I wonder if you posted something about having a hundred <laughs> rejections. Oh, possibly. Yeah, I like I, I like. Um, there are some writers uh, that I know who like they'll they'll put a rejection wall together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah. Like, you know, you haven't you haven't you're not a real writer until you have a lot of a lot of rejection letters and somewhat. Oh my god, I don't know. So Sarah Blakely, who invented Spanx. I mean, like I shouldn't say it like that. I don't enjoy Spanx. I mean, I don't know if anyone enjoys Spanx, but her business acumen, right, can be respected and all that. She was saying recently that each night at home, her uh, or once a week, her father would ask everyone to go around the table and talk about their failures. Mm. And he would be disappointed in people, in family members, if they didn't, if they didn't have a, you know, quote-unquote failure. And then that just reframed it for her that failure is actually not trying. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've tried, personally for me as an artist, that's something that I'm trying to shift. Yes, having like a growth mindset about it instead of trying to make the perfect thing is just getting it out there and trying 
just so not how I my normal comfort zone. Um, yeah, but just submitting. Um, and then also what's been really helpful through classes is having work read out loud and have and f- using that as a way of feedback. And through those experiences, you start having relationships with people who give you feedback or are in your reading, and that really helped. So like for the reading I had, um, for the first reading of Do It For Amma at Pocket Theater, I had um, Ina and Maggie in the reading <laughs> and then I asked them if they would be willing to read for the pitch oh so, fantastic yeah I get nervous with public speaking so I was like the less time I could spend during my slot actually talking and just let the script do it the better so that sort of helped that's for me. great that's great advice but, but I think annex is such a special like process yes. they're super de- democratic everybody in the company has to agree on the, the season versus having one person at the top of the hierarchy choose so I think it was like a unique experience and it's my first full length so I'm still I still feel new to this I think it's I think it's so great to talk with people at different different spots along the process Mm -hmm. because I think folks have the misconception that oh like you pop out you're fully formed as a playwright and it's no it's a lot Mm -hmm. of (laughs) a lot of hard flipping work yeah so talk so as as a playwright who this is this was your first full length play, were you sitting in on auditions? Were you coming to rehearsals? Were you doing rewrites along that first run? What was that like for you? Oh my god, it was it was exhilarating. I felt like it was like my baby, and I was like such a dork, and I came to all the rehearsals. And Sarah's super <gasps> welcoming. I was just like, oh, you want me to come? I'm not in the way, you know. I, it's my first real like full length experience, and she's just been super welcoming and collaborative, and asked my input on just about everything, but also had like her own vision and like leadership within rehearsals. So I just learned so much from watching her in rehearsals and also that I wrote a lot of stuff and she's like, you don't have to write all that, they can act it. So things like that that I didn't actually ever experience because sure. everything is theoretical and just me in my it's room. you and your computer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, and I, I think I went, yeah, I went to every single performance too. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, and seeing it, would you say seeing it, sitting in on that whole rehearsal process and then seeing it live time after time, do you then go back to your writing process and you're like, I have leveled up. Like, I know <laughs> I have I have just a greater understanding of what it's actually like to have this happen. And so, therefore, I can go forth with more confidence. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I, I think I'm still, like, surprised at how successful it was in terms of like how many people came and that it sold out every night so it's just it was kind of it's still I'm still processing honestly and also because it did well it's kind of like in a way hard to move forward and what else to write because I feel like it's kind of that second album yeah kind of thing and it I I was seriously like just so excited that Annex agreed to put it my play up that I was like if 20 people come I'll be so happy and I'll clap and I'll be the only person in the room but it just became something different than what I had a life of it yeah it's totally beyond what I thought so on one side yes that I could point to articles or I could point to people's um, reviews or whatnot or tweets but on the other hand I'm like what do I do now and I kind of I kind of felt depressed after <laughs> after that, the run because it was such a high yeah. I think as as performer director uh writer you get so 
and as a theater artist, you get so uniquely and deeply invested in this process. And the older the, the older I get, the the more I realize how hard it is to describe why the heck we do this to yes. I say muggles, but like non theater people, <laughs> yeah. right? Like what? Well, okay, so you're gonna you're gonna give hundreds of hours of your time to do that after you go to work, like yeah, why why why? And it's such yeah, when it's all done, it's like yeah, this absence of energy or whatever. I totally get that letdown. I think it's such yeah. a it was such a beautiful moment that only theater artists yes. get to have. And I've heard now you've shared and I've talked to other people who get the like the post play blues. Oh, yeah. And it hit me. I was just like, man, I'm just gonna sit and watch Netflix. <laughs> not wear a bra, which is awesome, but Oh, uh, not wearing a bra is the best. <laughs> tell you what. Yeah, so but it's so great to do it again. But yeah, it's just it's so such an intense experience being with people for so many hours making this thing and then it it's gone. Yeah. And now you get to return. Yeah. Back to what are yeah. your what are you looking forward to? What are your hopes uh, and and all of that for the for the remount of it? Yeah, I think um, Sarah touched on a lot of it already, but like having a bigger space and a bigger theater, I'm really excited about the air conditioning. All <laughs> 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 um, the I love Annex, and I will. It will always have a special place in my heart for being the first. Um, but yeah, just having, and then just having more control as producers. Um, we're also we worked w- with uh, Patty here, Patty West, and talking about actually having um, gender neutral bathrooms, and that's something that's very important to me. Um, given just the climate of hate right now and something small that Thank we can you do <laughs> so much for, as uh, as someone who's gender nonconforming i appreciate when people step up and say hey this is the thing this is the thing that we could do yeah so that's so for the performances there will be yes gender- it'll be gender neutral <gasps> um we're gonna have um a, hopefully a curtain rod over the urinal so one will be labeled both will be gender neutral and one will be like gender neutral with urinal and there'll be a curtain to cover the urinal area, hopefully okay. something like that. But it'll be there will be gender neutral bathrooms. Yeah, so super excited. I'm also very happy that it's wheelchair accessible. I believe um, I have to find out more information about that to post. But because people, you know, I think it's phenomenal that you're you're using the Kickstarter to uh, make it more accessible on a financial level mm-hmm. for folks. But I think accessibility means a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah, can someone with a wheelchair be able to see it? Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> unfortunately, at Annex, mm-hmm. you can't. Yeah, and and uh, gender neutral bathrooms, having people like it's it seems like you really invested in taking care of your audience. Yes, we're trying to at least. I think it's just small. I mean, I don't think it's justice X. This is not necessarily justice, but something small we could do to actually say we're thinking of you at least. I know it's not everything, but we're thinking of you. <laughs> I love uh, it. To, to make people feel welcome to come to the show. Something that's important to us. Well, I mean, just, I'm so glad that it gets to have yet another life. And, and uh, I, I'm sure that you'll have some repeat audience members and then some yes. new ones. Yes. New ones yeah, as well. Yeah, we're already selling some tickets, so we're excited. Yeah. Yeah. Can we, let's go back to where it all began for you as, as a writer. What got you excited about writing? Was there was there a moment, or has it just sort of always been under your skin? I think 
I think I always really liked playing dolls with my friend, my best friend. We played Barbies, and I would just copy storylines from, like, TV shows and stuff. And then I guess I sort of bossed her around and said, you say this. Now he says this. Now she says that, you know, and then she so got you're used to producing and directing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where it started as a kid. And then I don't know, I, w- I always actually was into film for a long time because I didn't have access to theater really. Um, so I think it's just the idea of like writing a blueprint of something and then having real live people realize it and actually make it better <laughs> and really breathe like different dimensions into it. It's just so exciting and fun. So what was the first what was the first thing that you wrote that was not for that was not improvised for dolls? <laughs> I took a play beginning playwriting class in college and that was really great. But it was my senior year and it was my I think it was my final quarter and I didn't realize you could yeah. like keep studying playwriting. I didn't know it didn't even occur to me. And even then, even though I really enjoyed it, it didn't occur to me that I could continue to do it. I think just at that time at UW, I just didn't feel very, like, I didn't see people, like, I didn't see very many Asian Americans or people of color in the theater department. It just felt really discouraging. I think it's so much more different now. Yeah, well, Valerie oh Curtis Oh my gosh, yeah. Such a badass. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think that's so then. I had a taste of it then. Yes, I had a taste of it, and then I just decided I'm not doing any art, and then went into nonprofit work, but felt like this emptiness, so... Someone suggested, why don't you just take like a playwriting class since you want to do, since you're interested in writing and you liked playwriting and yeah, that's where it all started. You're and like, then, oh, I, I'm a grown up and I can take classes that aren't in college. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I can do things for me. Yeah, and not on purpose than just like for self nurturing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and the class I took, that's where I met Ina, who plays Amma. And she's just such a great friend and so talented. It's such a tour de force performance. Yes. And I I mean, like, I mean, everyone was so strong, but it's just, it's like seeing a master violinist, like, it's just such artistry. She's so humble, too. And she writes plays and she also sings. She's a singer as well. And so, but we would always have class readings and I always thought, oh my God, she reads so well. So I just kind of asked her, like, would you consider reading for my reading? And she was amazing. <laughs> but so humble. <laughs> so humble. So this, where, was this the class with Stephanie? Well, the first class I took with uh, Christina Sutherland and oh, sure. Julia, uh, Juliet Prezan. Mm-hmm. They co-taught. And that was the beginning one. And then we had, like, our reading as our class showcase. And then after that, I was, like, addicted. I was like, oh, real actors are reading, like, what I wrote. Amazing. <laughs> And then so then went into like intermediate and then advanced with Stephanie. Yeah. Is this all at Freehold or was it It was at places? Act Theater. Okay. Yeah, it was at Act Theater. The first classes. What's what stories are in your head right now? What are you what are you working on or what is sort of on your I guess maybe a better question is where do you find other than like an assignment, where do you find inspiration hmm. for characters and stories? It's usually something like personal that's happened or something that puzzles me. And then I wonder, try to figure out, like usually it's like a weird interaction or something. And then I try to figure out why it was weird or find out more information. Or if it's a person's perspective that I don't understand, I try to write and figure out what their perspective is oh, wow. through that process. And it kind of almost sort of like that. 
kind of don't under I kind of didn't understand my mom. This was my way of trying to understand my mom better. <laughs> Can you uh, do you have any any projects that are sort of in the hopper, or what are you working on right now? Yeah, so I'm working um, with Theater Battery on a development process, and I'm really excited. I'm going to work with Lily Raby. Um, oh, great! Yeah, and she's going to direct a, a reading of a play. Um, which right now the title is a quality education and set in a private school. So it's kind okay. of a daisy chain structure where there's two characters and then the next scene it's another character with the character from sure. the previous scene. So um, yeah, so exploring issues of race and class. I'm trying to work on it because right now it's sort of like article about racism that you're putting on stage. So I'm trying to make it more dramatic. So I'm sure. excited to like tighten it up and make it more theatrical. But, yeah, that's what I'm working on. Uh, if folks want to get more information for that, are, is there a date set for that one? Uh, or? I, th- I think it might be on September 11th, but you could check the Theater Battery um, Facebook page. Okay, right. We'll we will a- link to that in the episode. Thank you so much. Description. What advice do you have for folks who are interested in playwriting and maybe afraid to start? I say take a class. Uh, I say take a class, um, you know, if you can with Stephanie Tim or um, ACT Theater has uh, writing classes. I think Seattle Rep does. I think the class is really great because you're forced to bring in work. And playwriting, you have to have it read out loud. You just don't know if it works or not unless you hear it out loud. So even though it is solitary, it's also very communal. and feedback is really great I, I love getting feedback and then you just develop friendships hopefully I was lucky enough to develop friendships in my class and we cheer each other on and we go to each other's things I really don't think I would have even finished this without that kind of support I think people underestimate the power of relationships yeah. in all sorts of writing processes and then in theater specifically and I think I think it was Courtney. Courtney Meeker was one of my first guests on the podcast, and she was talking Courtney. about. I think I asked her the same question, and she said something akin to, uh, act, "If there is beer, actors will come. Like <laughs> if there is even the cheapest beer and wine, and like some triscuits, you know, just invite folks in. It doesn't have to be at a theater space. It can be in your living room. It can be on your porch. Just write stuff and have friends come and read it. It's." You have, I mean, for me, the hard thing is giving myself permission. Do you, does that resonate with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When like, I can write stuff, my words have value. Yeah. And I think, I think it goes back to that thing of um, reframing failure mm-hmm. as not trying, as opposed to, because I was, you know, sort of straight A student in, in school and stuff. And you're yeah. like, well, if it's not close to perfect, I can't show it to anyone. Exactly, exactly. And you have to sort of revel in the process a little bit more, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, especially with this. And what's great about playwriting is that it isn't perfect. You you just try to make it better with the actors. And I don't think I can make it better without a director or actors. (laughs) So it's already improved just from this experience. So, yeah, I feel like I really like that it's dependent on other relationships. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So we're sort of coming to the end of our time a wee bit here. Uh, can you take us out with maybe a couple of your favorite lines from the play? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, one thing was funny was, like, I 
something about like revenge. Um, I had a line in about in about revenge in the play in Korean, and I to, I cross checked with my mom during rehearsal, and she's like, "That's not how you say it. You're supposed to say it like this." And so it's one surur kapura. That means like pay back your enemy. Um, but how Sarah had it direct is really funny. With um, so the Oma says it one surur kapura, and then her daughter says it with her, but the daughter doesn't really know how to say it. So that she's like one surur. <laughs> <laughs> So that's a cracky. Why are you saying it like white person? Yeah, why are you saying it like white person? <laughs> Sarah's favorite line is mokchimara, which means don't eat that. And she, t- I don't know why she likes it. It just means don't eat that. <laughs> I want to I eat everything. <laughs> so I guess those are some. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so the remount is running August 19th through August 27th. Please visit theateroffjackson.org to get your tickets. Hey, thank you so much for sitting down to talk with me about this. And I can't, I'm so excited for your career as a playwright and to see what you write next. Oh, thank you so much, Katie.